0: message inspires and encourages you. For more information, please contact Nexus Church. We're going to get into Matthew chapter 5. As a church, we're on a journey of going deeper, studying the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew chapter 5, 6 and 7, the greatest sermon ever preached, the manifesto of the kingdom of heaven. It's important that we come to this point that I do double back slightly, if that's okay. I'm going to Start with the opening of Matthew chapter 5 because it's so important we understand the Beatitudes once more is not a new layer of moral code to live up to, but something that happens when we decide to be a disciple of Jesus Christ. I have to say this, this is not for outsiders, this is for insiders. This is for the people of God, this is for the disciples, this is a way to live and it's so key that you understand this, I'll keep on saying it over and over, but if you try and merely live out the Beatitudes without being attached to the life of Christ, you have just become religious and moralistic. When you are attached to the life of Christ, naturally these Beatitudes begin to flow out of your life and it becomes a normal state of being. so important we understand this. And be reminded of this as we read what it means to be the blessed people of God. Some translations say happy, but at the end of the day, the definition we've landed on as a church is the fact that these people receive the applause of heaven. Why is that so crucial to understand? Because if we are only living out the Beatitudes to please somebody else, it will not last forever. If you do it to please God, it will change you permanently. How many people know this? You started dating your spouse. You pretended that you liked shopping. They pretended they liked sports. <laughs> you can only keep it up for so long. Except in my case, it's worked out quite well because I have pulled back on the shopping, but her love for sport has increased. God's good. Um, look, not every relationship's perfect. <laughs> but I can tell you, if you only are trying to please people by living out these beatitudes, it will not last long. We do this all the time. We, we ask for new information. We watch Netflix documentaries on eating more fruit and vegetables and our lives change for at least eight days. I remember I tried this with the sugar thing, the meat thing. I tried it with the meat thing. And we're going to have meat-free Mondays. I didn't make it till one o'clock. I think I'm addicted to meat. You see, if we only ever try and change on the outside or appease somebody in our lives, we will never live differently. The poor in spirit are blessed because the audience they are doing it for is nobody else except the Father in heaven. You can't be meek, you can't be a peacemaker, you can't live different until you realize you do it for the applause of heaven. Are you with me this morning? That was just the introduction. Huh, we're in for a long morning. Strap yourselves in, man, I tell you. <laughs> Let's go to the Beatitudes and then we'll get to where we're going to teach this morning. Matthew 5, verse 3. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they'll be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown Mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Now we're getting to new territory. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you, because uh, people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you, because of me. Rejoice and be glad, because great is your reward in heaven. From the same way they persecuted the prophets. Who were before you? Do you notice three times the word that is used there is persecution? How many people are claiming that promise this morning? I hope that wasn't on your daily reminders. Ah, I'm not receiving persecution today. Then it moves on, verse 13. Jesus says, You are the salt of the earth, but if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others. that They may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Father, we thank you for your word this morning. We give it its proper place in our lives. We give it authority. And so we decide to place ourselves under it, so we can be instructed by it. I pray right now for a spirit of wisdom and revelation, Jesus, that we would know you better. In your name we pray. Amen. What Jesus is saying here, very simply, is the fact that as a Christian, at some point, it is impossible to blend in. I'm sure you've been in circumstances and situations before where you have just longed to blend in. Uh, You could think of any number of circumstances. Uh, I remember one time when I went to watch the Origin, uh, the Queensland Maroons win and dominate decade after decade, praise God. Um, Still on the throne, amen. Um, I I remember going to, not to Fortress Lang Park, Fortress Suncorp, but I was at Sydney Olympic Park as a Queensland supporter. It was a lion in a den of Lions. And, um, you know, you're trying to blend in and you just can't because you can't help but cheer. Uh, other scenarios in my life, when I lived in Germany as a teenager for a couple of years, I, I remember joining the soccer club there and I didn't speak the language, but I played the game. And, uh, and, you know, I got selected for the team and the coach was talking to me and I couldn't understand anything and he couldn't understand anything back. And it was very clear that I was standing out in more ways than one. Can I tell you that in life, As a Christian, as a disciple of Jesus, you have to at some point come to terms with the fact that you're different. Maybe there's only one point to make this morning. At some point you have to realize if you live the kingdom life, if you live out the Beatitudes, you will be different and you will stand out. And at some point your life will cut across the grain of the rest of the world. And we just have to be prepared for that. I want to double back because there's three times persecutions, the wording persecution is used. But I I want to say this as well. When Jesus is sharing about persecution, he's saying this, you are persecuted because of righteousness or because of my sake. You are not persecuted because of your sake. It's only subtle, but it's important. You're persecuted because of righteousness. You're persecuted for my sake. You are not persecuted for your sake. Let me say this. Sometimes we think persecutions are happening in our lives, but they are because we are being obnoxious. (laughs) Come on. Sometimes we think we're being persecuted, but you're just being really rude. Sometimes we think we're being persecuted, we get a letter in the mail with a picture of your car on it and you driving it. (laughs) Who are these people taking these photos? I don't need a photo of my car, I know what it looks like. (laughs) Have you ever had that? And we say to ourselves, we're being persecuted, no you're not, you're driving too fast. Or in your workplace, you're being obnoxious, you're being rude, you're short with people, you're nasty. It's not persecution. Hey, welcome to church this morning. Glad you're here. <laughs> Trust me, I'm doing fine. I've had a great sleep. I'm well rested. I'm just going for it this morning. Praise God. Can I tell you? Sometimes people come to me and hey, I need to pray. Going, coming up against it. Okay, what's been going on? Well, I can tell you right now. Sometimes you just share a very strongly worded, opinionated message on Facebook. That's not persecution. That's actually just being a little bit insensitive. Oh, didn't think I'd go here again this morning. Can I tell you, it's okay to have a strong opinion. It's okay to speak the truth in love. But sometimes in our character, we go finding things that stir controversy and that is not persecution. Persecution comes when I have been loving and kind and right living and shine the light of Jesus and people don't like it. That is very different to just sharing a strong opinion online. Are you with me this morning? I just think Christians, we should be better. Now again, this isn't for outsiders. this is just disciple talk this morning. I, I want you to share the truth. But let me tell you, Ephesians 4.15 says, speak the truth in love. If you only speak the truth, you're too harsh. If you only speak love, you don't really love them. But there is a balance point that we are called to. And when you hit that balance point and you're persecuted, that's the persecution that Jesus is talking about. That then inherently brings the blessing of heaven into your life. I know it's quiet this morning, but I love you. And I hope you like me. But I just got to trust you this morning that, hey, we've got to get better. I'm not thinking of anybody particularly, but I do believe we just have to understand what Jesus had in mind with persecution is sometimes different to ours. Peter would talk about it in 1 Peter 4.15. He says, if you're persecuted, let it not be because you're a murderer, because you're a thief or a meddler. The Greek word is this, a busybody. Peter's saying, if you're going to get persecuted, don't get persecuted because you're a thief or a bad person or a busybody. Get persecuted because of this. In 4.15, he says, it's because you bear the name of Jesus. If You receive persecution because you bear the name of Jesus, because you live so differently, because you're meek and you're a peacemaker, and that brings persecution in your life. You're blessed. Heaven's applauding you. Fortunately, we live in the Western world and persecution is different to what takes place in most of the world. I can tell you right now in the Middle East, they are still crucifying Christians. But our persecutions may take on a different form. It may be snide remarks, being left out, not getting that promotion, not being included or invited. It can take on different forms. The hurt is still the same, but the promise of Jesus is the same. Yours is the kingdom of heaven. And Jesus is saying, you cannot blend in. Do you notice the wording there? He says this when you're persecuted. It's not an if. That means something really important. It's like when your children fight, not if they fight. When they fight, you should have a plan. Absolutely, always. Just don't give up the Xbox time too quickly because then I have to entertain them. (laughs) It's not an if, it's a when. When it comes. I want to say this and then we'll get into some really fun stuff. We'll all be okay. But let me say this. If it is a when... And not an if, then if it never happens in my life at all where I experience pushback, then maybe I'm given to compromise. On the other side, if I'm only always in conflict, maybe I've got some character flaws to work on. Come on. Jesus is saying, live out these beatitudes You will be different, come to terms with it. Don't try and pretend. When he shares about salt, he's using a very interesting metaphor because salt in the ancient world had many different definitions but many different uses. In fact, one scholar I read, he really went to town on this. He said there are 11 different ideas that pertain to that of salt. Uh, preservation, flavor. The Old Testament sacrifices were sprinkled with salt. It can mean wisdom. It can mean friendship. It can even mean love. These are all the applications with salt. But there are two dominant themes that come out when salt is shared in the New Testament. The first one is this, is salt is a preserver. You know, in the ancient Near East at that time, they didn't have refrigeration systems. They couldn't go to the 7-Eleven and grab a bag of ice. What they used to preserve their meat was they rubbed coarse salt into it. Coarse salt was the thing that would preserve the meat and prevent decay. Predominantly, that was the dominant use of salt in the ancient world, which is an important point to be made, but not the only point to be made. What that means is this, salt stops decay. Now, the application is quite simple there. The presence of Christians in society who speak the truth in love prevents the decay of society. You think about it this way, it's an extreme example, but if all the Christians were ripped out of society, I would say there would be a spiraling out of control. But I want to say this if the presence of Christians in an assault format preserves life, then that means that when you're present in somebody's life that is clearly decaying, perhaps you can stop the decay by continuing to be salt. Are you with me this morning? Let's just remain on task here. I'm talking to myself. (laughs) My point is this. Is so often we see people's lives falling apart, but when you're there and you lay a hand on the shoulder and you pray, what are you doing? You're bringing salt into a circumstance that is deteriorating fast. He's called each of us to do that as a preserver. But I want to say this. I believe in context that Jesus is not just talking about the preservation qualities of salt Christians. He's saying something more. He's talking about taste. In fact, if we were to read a different translation, the ESV, it says, you are the salt of the earth, but if salt has lost its taste, how shall shall its saltiness be restored? All this salt talk is making me really thirsty. (laughs) Oh boy, didn't prepare for that. But if salt has lost its taste, do you know how you taste something, you don't observe it, you you taste it? You taste it with your mouth parts. Yeah, welcome science lesson this morning. Glad you're here. Taste is experiencing the saltiness. Why is this important? Because Jesus is saying something very important about salt Christians. Our primary role is not just to preserve society, but to add flavour and enhance it. A primary role is not to just hold back the rot, hold back the deterioration. That is one of our roles, yes. But what Jesus is saying in context here is saying salt adds flavor. It takes the blandness of the world and makes it far better because of Jesus. Run this through your mind for a moment. What does this mean powerfully for you? That means when you are in a situation, that place is better because you're there. It was okay before you got there, but right now it's better because you're there. Why? Because salt adds flavor. There is not a chip that goes out the door of Macca's that has not been salted. I could tell you right now, the place would go into lockdown. When I first met Beck and I shared this in the first service and I forgot to check if I was allowed to again share it in the second service, so I feel the silence is permission to go ahead and proceed. Uh, which everybody knows that. Um, Just don't look down. (laughs) One of the things that uh, attracted me about Beck was her innovative thinking. And uh, when we would go to McDonald's together, she's the only person I know that does this, doesn't do it anymore, should be noted. (laughs) Oh boy. Um, (laughs) She would always order chips that had no salt on them and order a separate sachet of salt. You know why? The only way to guarantee fresh chips that have not been sitting there all day is by making them make it without the salt in it and adding your own salt at the end. Genius. I know. It's one of those things I thought, you know, I'm onto a winner here. You and me, babe, we could go far. (laughs) No one in the world eats chips without salt. No one eats popcorn without salt. Salt adds and enhances the flavor of something that is already there. But I can tell you, nobody is ordering salt on its own. Sometimes I think we're just bringing the salt. And the world's like, have you got anything to add with that? But on the other hand, no one eats chips without salt. My question is this, when you live out the Beatitudes, is your presence in that environment adding and enhancing and making better the circumstances you find yourself in? Is your office better because you're a Christian? Is your family better because you're following Jesus and living out the Beatitudes? Is your sports group better because you're following Jesus? Is the club that you're in, is your neighborhood, is your street better because you are adding and enhancing because you're a salty Christian in a, in a good way? I I didn't use that in the first. That doesn't work so well. When Jesus was talking, he was talking about salt that very likely came from the Dead Sea. But salt in the ancient world is not the salt that you and I buy from the shops. There's no sense of refinery taking place. In fact, the salt that was from around the Dead Sea was very much like a powder, a white powder. And this white powder from the Dead Sea was very likely given to all kinds of impurities. Sodium chloride is a very stable compound, and yet if it has impurities in it, it can easily be diluted or it is quite soluble so easily the sodium chloride can leach out. What is Jesus perhaps saying? That there is a salt that we're familiar with that looks like salt, acts like salt but has no salty properties. Can I tell you some of the hardest things as Christians is that when we look like salt, we act like salt but there's no saltiness in us. Because what our world needs more than anything else is not perfect people, no way, but people that make a decision to be salty in every place they go, enhancing life, not just look and act and appear like it. Because I tell you, the world can smell a fake. We're talking about fake things last Sunday night as Andy Mack preached when I was a younger man, so much younger than today, and I was a cheapo and... uh, I remember I couldn't afford to buy a Hugo Boss, and so I stumbled upon a, what I thought to be a far better brand, Rugo Boss. <laughs> and you could only imagine how that went. It was great for 10 minutes, and then after that you think, what is this weird sticky substance on my body? <laughs> I can tell you what our world needs is not people that look and act and appear salty, but they have substance. And that when you're there, everything's a bit better. Is, is this gathering better because you're here? Is this party better because you're here? Is your presence making all the difference? In fact, in the original language, it's actually an indicative statement, not an imperative. He's not saying be salt, he's saying you actually are salt. You actually are salt. Don't be salt, you are salt. You know why this is important? Because when we come to Christ, we don't get to decide will I be salty or not? Will I have influence? You will because you are now salt, people who have been set apart. I want to go back to this idea though of the stable compound that salt is in sodium chloride. I want to say this. It's very easy for salt to become diluted. It's very easy for these impurities to leach out and to lose its saltiness. So I have to ask you a very important question. In the environment that you're in, who is influencing who? Are you influencing those around you because your salt is stable? Or are they influencing you? And you're beginning to dilute. I can tell you, I see it time and again, that we, we think we're being salt, but I can tell you, you're forming these habits, your language is starting to change, your outlook is shifting. I can tell you, you're not being salty, you're getting diluted. Are you with me this morning? And perhaps we have to ask ourselves the question, am I being salty, salt in this situation, or is that salt starting to leach out of me and I'm becoming diluted, because he's called us to be salt. The next one, you are the light of the world. It's amazing when we look at what it means to be the light of the world. Once again, uh, the language there is not saying be the light, saying that you actually are the light. I think the application is pretty simple there, that we're meant to bring illumination into dark circumstances, but I want to add this, Jesus says in John 8 that I am the light of the world, so then If John 80 says, I'm the light, now he's saying, you are the light. Well, who's the light? I think by implication, you and I are not so much lights, but you and I are lamps. Lamps are different because they contain the light, but they are not producing the light. That's what the sun does. The sun has energy source within itself. A lamp merely contains the energy. Can I tell you, you're just an energy container for the spirit of God, but that's a good container that brings illumination to everywhere you go. Here's how you know if you're being a good light, a strong light. A light in and of itself is not admired, but the illumination that the light brings is admired. My point is this: is no one looks at a light straight at it, don't even try. But you see the benefits of the light. Here's how you know that you are being a light in your circumstance, or situation. is the attention is not on you, the attention is on Jesus. The illumination that the light of Christ brings to that circumstance brings illumination to those around it. In my mind, it's almost like Jesus is the sun, but you and I are more like moons. We are reflecting the sun that is hitting us and we are bringing illumination to dark circumstances. I want to say this, you know the power of light. You know the power of illuminating things that are dark in your world, things that are imposing or scary on you. You know the power that light brings. I'm sure you've had this situation, you're sleeping late at night and, you know, you're, you're an adult now but you, you wake up middle of the night and you look and you think, what is that, a man in a trench coat with a hook, you know, I don't know if you've ever experienced that, I haven't, Um you know, people who have, you merely turn the light on and you realise it's nothing to be afraid of, I was going to share a parenting moment then, but I won't, <laughs> praise God. There are a lot of fun things, fun tricks you can play on your kids as long as you don't mess them up. Good, praise God. <laughs> <laughs> but you know how it works with little kids. They cry out in the middle of the night. When you walk in there, you don't just use your logic. You don't just use your understanding. You don't just say, oh, light's actually very easy to explain and all this darkness, you don't have to. No, what do you do as soon as you get in that room and they cried out in fear, you turn the light on. Why is that? Because illumination, light, breaks the power of fear off our lives. Can I tell you, with you in a dark environment, a dark situation, you can cast light over those things that were causing fear and darkness into those dark places you and I go. The dominant atmosphere of the world is fear. The dominant atmosphere of the world is darkness. Oh, they've received a report or I've received a report or my business isn't going well, my family isn't doing well. There's a darkness that can hover over our lives, but it's when the light of Christ comes and brings illumination that those things that were causing fear no longer have power over us. Team, you can come and join me. It's amazing the Greek wording in this one bit towards the end. Praising your Father in heaven because of your good works. Let me read this. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. See your good deeds. Now remember, none of this is about earning salvation. None of this is about doing good things so God's pleased with you. No, He's pleased with you because your life is united with Christ and now He has changed everything about who you are. But As faith attaches itself to works, people see good deeds. But the wording there is amazing because Jesus is actually saying good deeds in a different way. Here's what I want to read it to you. Instead of the typical wording for good deeds, which is agothos, which actually means good quality. Instead of the typical wording, good quality works, he uses a different wording. He says this, kalos, which actually carries the idea of attractiveness and beauty. What am I saying by going on that level? Jesus is not just saying good works are really great and people will glorify. He's saying this. The kind of salt and light people I'm looking for actually do beautiful, attractive works that draw people to encounter God. What an amazing little thought. Jesus didn't just use the typical wording, good quality work, that's a good quality job. No, beautiful work, attractive work. And you know how this works. People may not love your faith or the church, but in every human heart, they are attracted to beautiful deeds, beautiful good works done to glorify the Father. You know, last night as I was preparing for this message, praying and all the rest of it and I went to bed but I've, I've realized uh, there's an error in my ways. The last two nights there's been a fly that has just, just been getting there right when I turn the lights out. That's got to be the worst thing in the world, just that noise that goes around your head and I've realized there's a problem with my system because I go downstairs and I sequentially turn off all the lights but you know what happens, you know where this goes, the last light to go out is the lamp beside my bed. And so he literally snakes in through the door every single night. Now we we don't need that dog. We've got a pet fly. (laughs) Very cheap to feed. My point is this. There's such an attractiveness to doing good things in the name of the Father that is basically irresistible to the rest of the world. You see, the longer we try and blend in, the longer we try and just go along with it all and not stand out, the less attractive we become because we're attracted to beautiful things. We're attracted to things that stand out. We're attracted to things that are contrasted to you and I. And the more we try and blend in and be bland, the less attractive we are to to people who actually want to know Jesus and glorify our Father in heaven. I need to tell you this morning, it is time for us to be salt and light, to understand that we will be different. And I want to end how we started it. Jesus three times in two verses say that there will be persecution. And I just want to pray for people this morning. Maybe you're being honest and you're saying to yourself, I am losing my saltiness. I'm losing it. Bit by bit, I'm diluting it. I'm actually allowing other things to get in and I'm allowing other influences to dominate the atmosphere of my heart and I'm actually blending in more than being contrasted. Or maybe you're on the other extreme. Maybe you've experienced some persecution, some hits, some snide comments, and you've just subtly begun to hide your lamp away. It's only subtle, but I believe Jesus put it in there because he's saying when persecutions come, we have a tendency, like all of us in our human instincts, to just blend in and dilute and begin to just not even stand out in a crowd. And then on the other side, things come and so we just begin to hide it somewhat. And this morning, By the power of His Holy Spirit, I just want to ignite that light in you afresh. I want to stir your spirit to be more salt than you've ever been before as you enter dark and deteriorating situations. I believe God has got this for us as a church. I believe He wants us to step towards this. Let me pray for us. Why don't you bow your heads and close your eyes for a moment. Maybe you know it's you. Maybe you're saying, uh, uh, maybe even a sense of, look, I'm not influencing anymore, I'm being influenced. Maybe you know that you've diluted it a little bit. Maybe you've allowed other things to get in and you're kind of the same as the rest of the world and I just pray right now that by His Spirit, He would just remind you that you are salt. You are different. You are here to enhance and every situation will be different because you are there and maybe you're saying, I've diluted it a little bit. Maybe this morning there's been a level of persecution It may not be physical or abusive, but it's subtle and you've just gone, I'm just going to hold this back a little bit. Can I tell you, we need your light. We need you to shine in the darkest places of the world because Jesus says this very clearly, your influence is salt of the earth, light of the world. That means your influence goes way beyond just your even street or household. Your influence is huge and God has got that for you. I'd just love to pray for some people. Maybe I'm describing your heart. You just pulled back a little bit. You've lost your saltiness. You've allowed other influences in. I'd love to pray for you this morning. Just in your own way, slip your hand onto your heart. I'd love to apply this to us right now. Father, for every one of us, you've called us. You've assembled us on your mountain and you've called us to live a different way. Being meek is different. Being a peacemaker is so different. And so Lord, I pray for every heart responding right now. Lord, cause us to come to terms with the fact that we are salt and we are light. We are meant to enhance every circumstance, every situation because of who you are in us. We are meant to bring illumination into dark places because of your light within each of us. So I pray for everyone in this place this morning that perhaps with their own honesty, they've diluted it a little bit. They've pulled back a little bit. They've put their light under a lamp, under a a bowl this morning. And I pray that all the limitations would come off. I pray for a resilience to rise in each of us by your Holy Spirit. Father, I pray that you would ignite, you'd fan into flame afresh the gifts that are in each of us. Lord, and we'd stop apologizing for being different, for being the people you've called us to be. Not obnoxiously, not to cause animosity but to bring life and light in the name of Jesus everywhere our foot treads. In your name we pray, amen.